For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Woo! Do we got a good pod for you today. I'm not kidding. The guest today changed my life. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, changed my life. Changed who I am as a parent, changed the relationship I have in the home. I cannot wait for you to meet him. Today's podcast is sponsored by SaveTheStorks.com, TakeCareOf.com, code word Rebel Parenting, and Blinkist.com slash Rebel Parenting is the website. Blinkist, I'm having so much fun with. Blinkist is B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com. They do 15-minute summaries. You can read them or listen to them via audio. If you're driving along, like you listen to podcasts like this one, you can listen to a Blinkist summary of nonfiction books. And for me, it lets me know what I want to read more of or if I've gotten the gist of the book. They take all the pertinent points of a book, put it in a 15-minute summary, allow you to see, do you need more from the book or is this enough? Now, don't laugh. You know I read tons of books at a time. So right now on Blinkist, I'm reading Simon Sinek's Start With Why. You've heard me talk about that. Totally life changer. Jim Collins, Good to Great. Tony Robbins, Unlimited Power. Actually, I have four Tony Robbins books downloaded. Jocko Willink, our good friend Jocko of Extreme Ownership, and Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. I'm actually reading both of those books in full and the summaries of them. I'm doing a book club, a Rebel Dad's book club. We're starting with Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And uh, I love the summary so I can talk about it more in depth as I read each chapter to the Rebel Dad's book club. So it's Blinkist.com slash Rebel Parenting, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Rebel Parenting for your free seven-day trial. Mm, love it. Today's podcast, we've got Paul Tripp on. He wrote the book, Parenting. I've teased him about the cover and the title. And I got to tell you, his wisdom is so deep. Wherever I go, in fact, I was in um, Florida a couple months ago and the church had gone through, the parenting group had gone through this book, Parenting. And I was like, oh, I saw Paul Tripp's book, Parenting, in your library. And he was like, oh my goodness, our parenting group went through that book and they raved and raved and raved about it. And for good reason, because it is gold. It is straight up pure gold. I can't wait for you to hear Paul Tripp and all of his wisdom for parenting. Give you a break. Let you take a breath. Let you stretch it out a little bit. It's going to be a good, good pod. Here is Paul Tripp on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Paul, I'm going to start this program out a little differently. I'm going to give a quote from one of our favorite people, Francis Chan. And he said, after reading this book, this is your book called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Francis Chan says, after reading this book, I was torn. Part of me wanted to sit, cry, and confess all of my failures as a parent. The other part wanted to scream with excitement for the tremendous insight I now have to be a better parent. What an amazing endorsement. Paul Tripp, thank you for coming on the broadcast today. We appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be with you. 
Definitely. It's good to have you. Paul, Is we believe parenting is hard. I mean, that's just one of those things. We say the struggle is real. Is there any society, has it ever been easy for anyone? Or is this just universal? Race, religion, creed, color, location. Parenting is hard. Yeah, I, and, and here's how I think about that. I think it's it's universally hard. I've done parenting material literally on every continent on Earth. Oh, how awesome. And, and uh I think it's universally hard because we're asked to do something we have no ability whatsoever to do. <laughs> Amen. Perfect. Yes. And so that, many people are afraid of saying that. You know, we're afraid and, of and, saying, I don't have the ability. <laughs> and I think that it, good parenting really begins with owning and confessing your inability uh, mm. here, let, let me let me speak to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no human being has the ability to change another human being. If 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 human beings could create change in other human beings, Jesus would have never had to come. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. So so the the gospel destroys that. So I'm I'm immediately involved in something that's bigger than me. Mm. And if you don't. If you don't understand that, then you will load heavy burdens on yourself. You will try to do things that you can't do. Mm. And no wonder you end up discouraged, frustrated, disheartened, uh, overwhelmed. With With shame and guilt and regret. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. All of those things. Because... uh, you're you're not understanding that you're not called to create change. You're called to be a tool in the hands of the one who has the power to create change. Mm -hmm. And that's a completely different model. It is. That's, that's, that's why in this book, you don't have three steps to anything. (laughs) That's right. A plus B doesn't equal C. It's why why you don't have that in the Bible either. Yeah. I mean, Paul never never turns and says, these are the seven steps to a completely blissful marriage. Mm. Never there. Because it's, that's not the world that we live in. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So, so getting a hold of your inability is, is so important as a parent. And I'm shocked that nobody talks about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you, read, you read the average parenting book, and the assumption of the average parenting book is this is something you can do, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Huh. And, and uh, I'll give you a very honest experience of mine. This, this may surprise some listeners. I talk to parents all the time at parenting weekends. I've had this conversation so many times. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book. <laughs> and and they would say, I dreaded coming this weekend. Mm-hmm. I came because I want to be supportive of my church and supportive of its leadership. But I dreaded coming because I've I've come to these many times and I've read a bunch of books and it never seems to result in anything different. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no change. And, and so... I'm, they come expecting they're going to give three steps to this, get three steps to this, five steps to that, seven steps to a better thing, and walk away, again, overburdened, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and wonder why in the world did I spend 
my weekend doing this. Yeah. And uh, then more discouraged for the yeah. future and more sad because yeah. you still know that you can't do it. And all the advice you were given was kind of a load. And yeah, we're just going to be step back four before I did step one. So I've yeah. messed up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. Paul, you add to that because there's a part in your book where you talk about how it's so easy for a parent to place their identity into their children. And this is universal where we, we get our worth and our value and um, we get our accolades and our attaboys and we're doing well because of the performances of our children and it's ruining parental relationships. It's ruining marriages. It's ruining kids. I mean, how do we untangle ourselves from that? And understand we don't have the ability and yet mm-hmm. sit back and be with our children and both try to be who God wants us to be. How, mm-hmm. how do we start that process? So let's do some identity basics here. Human beings are wired to look for identity. That That is hardwired into us by God. It's meant, us, meant to drive us to Him mm-hmm. so that we would find our identity in Him and experience, no matter what's going on with us, lasting security and lasting hope. What what sinners tend to do, though, is we look for identity in the creation rather than the creator. And and no, nothing in creation was made to give me identity. Everything in creation that has influence on in our life is meant to be a finger to point me towards the one mm-hmm who can give me that identity that I'm searching for. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you tend to look for identity in places that dominate your energy and your thinking mm. and your schedule. Yeah. Sure. Well, for a parent, yeah. where is that? It's your children. At home. Yeah. As a mom, it's but, for me at home with my but, kids. But, but looking for, I mean, Looking for identity in your children is a miserable choice. Mm. I mean, think about this. I, I have four children. There was not one morning in their lives where they got up and said to themselves, how today can I impart to my mom and dad identity and worth? <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. They, they never asked that question. And, and, and so... Looking for that does two things. It's first a horrible burden on the shoulders of children. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just is something they should not have to deal with. I I had a very brief counseling moment with a mom and her son, his fifteen year old son, who is breaking under the load of his mom's expectations. Yep. He, he finally just caved in emotionally and she brought him to counseling wanted wanting me to whip him into shape Mm. i i sat the first 15 minutes with that boy he couldn't do anything but cry he was he was emotionally at the end and i i i began to realize that this this mother was living through him. Her life had been the success she wanted to be, and she was determined that he would be a success. This boy didn't have 10 minutes free on any day because mm-hmm. it was filled with activities all about achievement, achievement, achievement. I realized that the person I needed to counsel was not the kid, it was a mother. Mm-hmm. Because wow. she, 
she couldn't see that this poor boy was breaking under the load of that. Totally. Yeah. I see that all around. Mm-hmm. We do. So we were interviewing Arch Hart, and he said, whenever a parent tells me their child is gifted, I always say, I'm sorry, and I hope you're saving for counseling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, what's the effect? That's the effect on the child. What's the effect on the parent? Well, I'm going to be too much focused on success. Uh, listen, success is, is not the goal. For a parent, the goal is faithfulness. Mm. I have no ability to create success. I mean, I don't know, for example, in which conversation I have with my child that the Spirit of God will work and impart to him insight into his own heart. Hmm. I don't control that. Yeah. yeah. God does. Uh, I'll be too focused on reputation. Reputation is a huge thing for parents. Yep. Uh, listen, my child's not my trophy. Hmm. Ooh wee, that's it, gonna be a hard it, one. You gotta say that again, Paul. Say it again. <laughs> Let that one marinate well, in our listeners' brains for a little yeah, bit. My my child is well, I can say it even stronger, my child is never my trophy. Yeah. Mm. If there's good coming out of that child, the the praise goes to the God who has created that good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, if it's true Amen. that children are born in sin, that we go astray speaking lies in infancy then any good thing that comes out of the life of a child is an act of grace. Mm. So, so that focus on reputation uh, just misses the point. Well, what it creates in the dynamics is then it's way too much desire to control for control. Because if, if I need this child to feel worth, I'm going to control every aspect of this human being's life. For sure, that's the rub, right? When you start enforcing yeah. rules and get into legalism. Yeah. Can you talk and, a little so bit more about that? It, well, it doesn't, it doesn't allow the child to grow and mature mm. because a tra- child has no initiatives of his own. He can't make any decisions of his own. He can't form opinions of his own. Mm. I mean, I've literally heard child, children say, this is what I think. And their parents say, no, that's not what you think. Mm. So what are you, you speaking is, now to like the snowplow parent and the helicopter parent that's just constantly looking for things to get out of the way of their child or hovering around, you know, it's, we see this, it's the overactive parent that's controlling every aspect of their child. You know, they're helping them fill out college applications and they're looking at internships and they're calling prospective, you know, intern employers, things like that. And then you've got a child that's getting ready to leave the home to be a quote unquote adult with zero skills to be an adult. Well, I'm, I'm talking broader than that. I'm talking to almost every parent. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm serious because yeah. uh, it, it, it may not be that you notice me hovering over my child, but the average parent believes that their job is controlling behavior. behavior. Mm. Yep. They think they think parenting is a function of control. Hmm. And and so uh, they give themselves to managing and controlling the behavior of their children. Now, obviously, uh, children need to be parented. They need authority in their lives, and that authority is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And they need rules in their lives. Those rules are are good things. But if all I do 
is control the behavior of my child. When he leaves my home, he has nothing. Mm. Because the child hasn't actually changed. He's been controlled. Let me say something more about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you if you watch most well-intending, loving Christian parents, there's a massive contradiction in their lives that they don't recognize. Here's the contradiction. On Sunday, they will lift their hands and their voices to sing with joy about the rescue of God's grace in their lives. But they will turn around on Sunday afternoon through Saturday evening and construct a system in their home that is all law. And what they don't realize is in parenting, they're asking the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, let's unpack that. Well, yeah. The, the, the law is very good at, ex- at exposing sin. We need the law in our life because sure. the law is a mirror that helps us to see ourselves as we actually are because we live in denial and delusion and we think we're more righteous than yeah. we actually are. And Grandiose children should ideas. do that. Sure. And, and so we need the law. Mm-hmm. We need the law as a, as a moral guide for life. Because on, on our own, we would not have any clue what is right or wrong or how to live. Yeah. But the law has no ability to rescue and transform our hearts. Yes. True. And so if the law could do that, I'll say this again, Jesus would have never had to come. To come. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, parenting can't just be a system of rules and enforcements. Mm. Because if all you do is set up a neat set of rules with a corollary set of punishments, uh, once your children are out of that system, they don't have anything. Because what really needs to change is their hearts. Hmm. And that, that, that only happens by means of God's grace. Not to say one other thing. <laughs> Whenever I use the term grace in parenting, here's what, here's what parents do. They hear permissive parenting. Yep. They think grace means I just, I just let go of the rules and I chill out with my kids and hope for the best. Well, if I could say it this way, grace never calls wrong right. If wrong were right, there would be no need for grace. Hmm. The whole assumption of grace is that wrong is wrong. Yeah. So, so grace isn't permissive parenting. Grace recognizes the, the sin, weakness, failure, and rebellion of children, mm. but it moves toward them with a desire to give insight and rescue rather than moving away from them with just judgment and condemnation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul That's the difference. Go ahead. We are we are so into this. One of our big mottos is that we're not about behavior modification. We're about the heart. And 
it's so radically new in a way. It's not new. It's it's ancient as Jesus is, but we're trying this thing. We're trying to have proper grace and and walk down this road. So start early steps. You know, you got I've got a five year old and a ten year old, so I'm you know right in the middle of all these different things. How do you start that with the heart process when your kids are misbehaving and there is behavior that you would like changed and you're trying to let that be a heart change, not a, you know, I don't want to be a warden. I don't want to run a prison where we all obey the rules. How do we do that as parents if we're trying to get our kids to value whatever it is, whatever we're trying to teach? I mean, we can think of something specific, but what are those things? How do we get down that road? I mean, you don't start by suspending rules or the exercise of authority. Your children need rules in their life. They need authority. But the exercise of authority is not enough. So I'm in this situation where my child has done something wrong. Uh, they've mistreated a sibling. They've been disrespectful to me. Sure. What, what my, my first question is, what is God wanting to do in the life of this child at this moment, and how can I be part of it? Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that it's not my agenda, it's not what I want from the child, it's not how dare you do this to me. I'm functioning as an ambassador uh, of the one who really does own my children. So what is it that God is trying, wants to do in the heart and life of this child at this moment? Now, now keep that question in mind. Mm-hmm. I want to... I want to uh, set it up this way. Here's what I need to understand as a parent. If my eyes ever see or my ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of my child, it's never an accident. It's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith, and he will expose the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. That's the model, that's parenting. Yeah. That's parenting in a sentence. <laughs> and so Perfect. at that moment, I realize I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, because that, that's exactly what God wants to have happen. And so uh, I'm asking that question, what does God want to do in this moment? Second question that comes out of that is, what right now? does God want my child to see that is not now seen? And how can I help him see it? Maybe that's the anger of his heart. Maybe that, that is his rebellion. Maybe that's unloving attitudes toward uh, his siblings. I want to and see in this moment, whatever the consequences of the behavior is going to be, I want my child to, to grow in spiritual insight because I want to develop him in him a sense of need that will bring him at some point to cry out for help. Hmm. Because no matter how well you act toward your child, if they don't transact with God, they won't be okay. Hmm. So what parenting is, parenting is a long-term process of God-given opportunities that is responded to within 
unending conversation mm-hmm. that I'm having with my children. Mm-hmm. That's parenting. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit savethestorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? I love that. I'm letting it sit in here for a second because I'm thinking about it in my own life. It's, uh, I'm saying the same thing. You know, I've, as a, I'm, I'm type A, I am black and white, I'm binary. I, am, I love rules. I love regulations. I like systems and processes. <laughs> and it's interesting to look back on my life at the uh, diets and workouts and reading regimens and all those types of things that would all easily classify under law. I am trying to shape my life via law because I can do it myself if I put enough pressure or restrictions on me and how many times I've failed at it. And yet what we're saying is I don't have any of this ability, that the Lord is the only one that has it. We're saying something along with that, too. I mean, that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But we're saying that you can't look at those moments in isolation from one another. For sure. Because when you Mm -hmm. do that, you have an event mentality and a win mentality. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to go in. Yeah to this moment, and I've got to win. And rather than, this is a long-term process of change, and every one of those moments gives me an opportunity to make another step in that process. Think of how God works in our lives. Uh, He welcomes us into his family, by the justifying mercies of Christ, and then he sets himself to a long-term, lifelong process of change. We call that sanctification. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how the wise Heavenly Father has chosen best to create personal transformation in our lives. How about making that our model for parenting? Hmm. Yeah. Can you give us some specific examples, Paul? I mean, either in people you've counseled or coached or in your own life to where, you know, something's gone south or things have gone sideways and we're trying to, uh, you know, intervene in a situation. What does that look like? Can you walk out a specific that's done so so we can, yeah. So, uh, my son's 16. He, he, uh, in many ways has been a responsible, easy kid to parent. He, asked if he can go over to uh, spend a weekend with a friend who's a family in our church. We know the family. We have no problem with that. We say, sure. Um, on That's Friday night. On He's going to stay till Sunday. On, on 
sometime on Saturday morning, we get a call from the friend's mother because his friend got concerned and told his mother that Justin, that he had created this lie with our, our son, Justin, and that he wasn't, he was supposed to be there and he wasn't there because he was going to go someplace where he, uh, he knew we wouldn't want to go. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So, so the mother called us and let us know that Justin wasn't there. Now I will be quite honest. I was livid. Uh-huh. Hmm. Totally. Uh, Thank you for being Sunday. honest. Too. How, Thank you for being honest. <laughs> how, how, how dare you break our trust? Uh, that easily that we built up over all these years. Mm-hmm. So I went upstairs and I, I displayed that anger to my wife and announced to her that our son was not where he was supposed to be. And she said, uh, you should pray. And I immediately said, I don't know if I can pray for him at this moment. I'm too angry. And she said, no, you shouldn't pray for him. You should pray for yourself. Awesome. Yeah. I like your wife. And, 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 she, and she was right. And as I prayed, I realized that this whole thing was God setting up this awesome opportunity to get at something with my son. Mm-hmm. And so now I had a, I had a different, a whole different agenda. I didn't greet him at the door and start screaming at him when he came in. Mm. I let him, I let him get home. I let him relax. And I went, went down to his room. And I said, can we talk for a moment? He said, sure. And I just said, you know, you've, you've lived just honestly and responsibly uh, for 16 years. And I actually used this term. I said, this, this weekend, you've taken a step toward darkness. Hmm. And you can, you, can, you can go there and you can learn to, to create a good backstory and Surround yourself with people who will support your lie, and you can learn to be crafty and deceitful and get your own way. Mm. Or you can live in the light. And I looked at him, 16 years old, and I said, won't you live in the light? What a great invitation. And I said, said, that's all I want to say to you right now. Um. And I started out of the room, and he said, Dad, don't go. And he said, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, if I had greeted him at the door and said, you, how dare you lie mm. to me? Yep. You are, you are grounded for seven years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he would have gotten the punishment. And he would have felt momentary guilt, but there would have been absolutely no engagement of his heart, mm. no insight, and no change. Wow. And, and listen, that's, it's that kind of announcement of uh, disobedience and an announcement of a punishment that most people call Christian parenting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and if all the wise Heavenly Father did was point out our sin and attach it, a punishment to us, we would be damned. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So why do you think parents fall into the trap so easily? Because we're not doing it ourselves. We can't transmit it to our children. I mean, what's your feel of that? Because the law is less costly than grace. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, Paul, you just made me think of a family. Go ahead. (laughs) You go. I I was going to say, Jesus' life would have been much different, much easier for him if he had just come and announced law. Yep, yep. But because he came to extend grace, he didn't just suffer at the cross, he suffered from the manger through to the cross. His life was a life of sacrifice because he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Grace is just costlier. Grace Mm -hmm. means I'm going to get up early in the morning and, and deal with things I don't want to deal with early morning. Stay home, stay up late at night and and deal with things that I feel too hard to deal with. Uh, it's it's costly. I let go of reputation things. I mm. I don't allow myself to to just say whatever I want to say in a moment when I'm mad. I don't give myself the ability to yank a child down the hall or slap them across the face or uh, pull their hair. Or all those subtle abusive things that even Christian parents do. Yeah. Uh, grace is costly, and it's just easier to set up a system of law in in your home. It will ask less of you. The problem is law can't do what needs to be done in the heart of your child. Hmm. It just can't. Yeah. Uh, it, has a, it has a good purpose, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm so into this. I want to talk about this for another you know, <laughs> four or five years. But um, now let me ask this. I have two questions. One is um, when or if, let's see now, do and if so, when do consequences come into play? And is this from birth on, you know, what do you do when you've got, you know, uh, a toddler that understanding you're taking a step towards darkness might not, it might might be a little heavy, obviously, or how do you do that at a younger age? How do we start this as early as possible? Here's what, here's what uh, you have to understand that you want to start talking this way to your children from day one. Yeah. Okay. Because your children are interpreters. They're, they're, Every child is making sense out of this world. Every child is is uh, a meaning maker. And so they won't assemble all the pieces, but give them the pieces. And so, you know, we, I'll give you an example. We were in the car with my granddaughter, and she's three years old, and uh, she she just out of the blue asked ask her grandmother, are you puzzled? Now, she probably doesn't know what that means, but she's putting these things together. Mm-hmm. And Grandma says, no, I'm, I'm not puzzled, Lily. And then uh, little Lily, she asks our granddaughter, Lily, Lily, are you puzzled? She hesitates for a while and says, I don't want to talk about it, which we, we ended up laughing hysterically at because it seemed way more mature than her age. But what we realize is those are little pieces She's, she's realizing there are times when people are confused. Mm. 
And so can she lay that out and say, you know, we're interpreting life and sometimes we can't come up with an interpretation and that's distressing because we're confused and we don't know. No, but she's assembling little pieces. Mm -hmm. So I want to start talking to my children, asking questions of my children, Mm -hmm. uh, asking my children to talk about themselves, capturing those opportunities even when they're young, even when they're only going to give me one-word answers, Mm -hmm. because I understand this process of coming to understand themselves and understand authority and understand God and understand the world and understand right and wrong is developing from the earliest of moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So I would just say, just have conversations with your children young, and know that they're assembling pieces. If they're going to assemble pieces to make sense out of life, how about giving them the right pieces? Mm-hmm. Oh, Paul, this is such good stuff. I'm so glad like, you've put this into words that it makes it easier to describe because we talk to parents about this. All, and this is, by the way, this isn't just a parenting thing. This is a relationship thing. Yeah. You know, marriage yeah, isn't absolutely. an event win mentality. And by the way, my attitude towards relationships up until a few years ago was event and win. I didn't know anything else. I'm super black and white. I'm super binary. And it took a lot. And it took a lot of heartache mm-hmm. and heartbreak to figure out that my marriage is a journey. It's not an event, it's not a situation, it's not about winning. It's about being together and communicating and having a relationship. My mm-hmm. life with the Lord isn't an event, yeah. win-loss thing, mm-hmm. you know, nor is it with my children. I am, woof, this is so, it's heavy in a way, but it's, it's yeah. good too, because it, it gives you freedom. It's, I'm looking back thinking, ooh, I've blown it so many times, but yeah. again, I feel like Francis Chan, I've got a little freedom now too. Well, let's talk about that freedom. Mm-hmm. This is a freeing way to live as a parent. Because here's what happens. Most parents do get up in the morning and they load the total burden of change in the lives of their children on their shoulders. On it's not on your shoulders. It's on God's shoulders. Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. a tool. Wow. And so, so that's the first freedom. thing they do. Yeah. And because they are carrying that burden, they end up reaching for tools that are more destructive than than helpful. And so they say things that they shouldn't say. They do things that they shouldn't do. Uh, They're trying to get a big enough threat or inflammatory enough vocabulary or scary enough actions to create change in right. their children. And that doesn't work. Laura and I used to live in an apartment. There was a woman downstairs that screamed at her kids all day, every day. And this was, before, we, we didn't even have children, but she would yell at her kids all the time. And she would say the same thing the same over, and over and over. And, over. Again. Yeah. and I turned to Laura one day and I was like, my goodness, it hadn't worked the last million times. Why are you still asking the same question? You're still saying the same thing. It was just insanity. Over and yeah. over and over again, we would see that just yelling to the kids. And my dad talks about that in Dare to Discipline. Um, but I'd like to hear your take on that because the threat, well, the uh, the yelling to where you scare your child into behavior mm-hmm. or, oh, I guess the consequences on its way, you know, the counting to the one, two, three, yeah. because it's the punishment, it's the spanking, it's the grounding that's keeping them in line, not the heart. And that's the hard thing for us as rebel parents 
We want heart modification, not behavior. But the yelling, the anger, the threats, the consequences, that's a behavior style. Hmm. Well, let, let me let me first say you I can't resist doing this. <laughs> Good. Let me say let me say to everyone listening who's a parent, stop counting. Hmm. If it's if it's if it's wrong, it's wrong at one. It doesn't become wrong at three. I can't imagine God at the Ten Commandments saying, Thou shalt not kill. One. One. Two. two three. That's a good one. Thank you. Paul, you're my I mean, favorite person. Yes. You're seriously my favorite person. I have goosebumps. The next time I get on stage, I am stealing that so bad. That's my favorite thing I've heard in so long. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, you, thou shalt not cheat on your wife. One. Oh, nope. Oh. Two. Nope. Don't do it a third time. Oh, my gracious. You, you are the best. So... But let's 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 just take one thing. Let's take the tendency of parents to use shame as a motivator. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. and so I say things like, I can't believe you would do that to me. Or I mm-hmm. would have never thought of doing such a thing. Mm. Yeah, we've all heard or, that. <laughs> I've only said if, that a million times. <laughs> what if your friends would have seen you do this, act this mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the fact of the matter is, shame doesn't motivate. Shame paralyzes. Mm. Shame makes me tentative. Shame makes me insecure. Shame riddles me with self-doubt. Makes me, makes me afraid. It, it's, it does the exact opposite of what you want. That's why the glorious message of the gospel is that Jesus not only carried our guilt, he bore our shame. Uh, so I don't have to live in shame anymore. And so shame actually does the exact opposite of what you want in your children. I will tell you, if a child who's been raised by parents whose major tool is shame, will, can't wait till they're old enough to get out of that house and get out of that system. Yep. Yeah, if you're no looking child. for a rebellious college student, start doing this early. Hmm. Start parenting yeah. with shame and guilt early and see how your kid reacts in college. Paul, what would you say to yeah. someone who has operated in that shame? Like, what would be the first steps to um, heal it? Or Yeah, I think there's a lot of parents that are like, oh, oh no. I've been doing that. <laughs> how do we start over? How do we look at well, our kid well, and go... first of all, you've got, to, you've yeah. got to confess the sin of that to the Lord. Sure. Okay. Because, because you haven't used shame for your child. You've used it for you. Yep. Uh, because it doesn't create good things in a child. Then you go and confess to your child. Mm-hmm. I've, used, I've used tools to try to produce things in you that I should have never used. Yep. And I need your forgiveness. And I would love to form with you a very different relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful uh, to have an 18 year old child say, no one, no one has talked to me more insightfully than my mother. Mm-hmm. No one has encouraged me more than my mother. No one has helped me to understand myself more than my mother. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, that's what parenting should do. Mm-hmm. 
that's what that's what we experience again in our relation with the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. no one has imparted more wisdom, more self understanding, more hope in us mm-hmm. than our Heavenly Father. That's the one that we represent. And so here's what this means. If I am his ambassador, then every time I exercise authority, it must be a beautiful picture of the authority of God. Hmm. So I don't have the right to exercise authority any way I want to, because the children aren't owned by me, they're owned by him. I'm an ambassador, I'm meant to represent him. The only thing an ambassador ever does is represent. I'm here to represent him in the life of my children. So I want to represent the patient, loving, gracious, Mm. but (laughs) long-suffering. Yeah, authority of the Father. Mm. Uh, Let me give you a couple examples. So I don't scream ugly things at my children. Mm. Because that's not what that's not what God does. Or I don't treat my children like they're my little slaves to make my life easier. Mm. Listen, children children should participate in the chores of a family because they help dirty the house, it's right for them to help clean the house. For sure. But if I if I'm a dad and I like to read the newspaper when I get home from work and that newspaper is five steps from me. And my seven-year-old son is upstairs. Don't, I should call him to come down and get me the newspaper. Correct. I should get, I should get off my butt and go get it myself. Because if I do that again and again, he will conclude that I, I use authority in a selfish way, Mm -hmm. not for his good, but to make my life easier. And he will rage against that authority. Mm-hmm. You see, my children don't come into the world loving authority. Yeah. Uh, because they believe in their own autonomy. They believe they should rule their own lives. So, you know, the, the argument with the little uh, daughter over whether to eat her peas or not, it's not about diet. She hasn't read the paleo diet book and decided <laughs> she wants to eat that way. It's about authority. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. saying, you won't rule me. The, the argument about when to go to bed at night it's not about sleep. The child hasn't done a sleep study. It's, it's about authority. Mm-hmm. And so the mm-hmm. exercise of authority is very important. Our children need authority. They need to know that they were raised in a world of authority, and they're not it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the way that we exercise authority will, will either cause children to esteem authority or to rebel or to against rebel. authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and Paul, if let they me ask understand... You this. Yeah. So essentially what we're saying is you're not disobeying me as a parent. You're disobeying God. And as a tool of the Lord, I'm pointing that out, but it's not a it, it takes the personal out of it. You didn't do this to me. You know, that's what we say. I can't believe you did this to me. It's so personal. And I think sometimes when it's that personal, when you're taking it as an offense, like you didn't clean your room because you maliciously wanted to hurt mommy and daddy. I mean, that's, we don't say those words, but that's, I can't believe you did that to me. In those moments, I will give you four things that will happen. Yeah. Because that's my mentality. I will turn a moment of ministry into a moment of anger. Right. Yep. Secondly, I'll do that because I've personalized what is not personal. Yes. Mm. It's not about me. 
thirdly, that means I'm adversarial in my response. It's not me for you, it's me against you, because I personalize this thing. And the fourth thing it means, and this is real tragic, I will settle for some quick Fix. situational solution that doesn't get at the heart of the matter. Mm. Yeah. And I think parents are, are doing this this all the time. What I want my children to grow up to understand that when they think of the word authority, they think of something that's wise, insightful, gracious, patient, rescuing, protective, that that authority means something beautiful to them. Rather than when they think of authority, they think of something that was uh, hurtful mm-hmm. and and disheartening and guilt-producing and shame-producing, yeah. and they think, I, I hate authority. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Paul. This has been Paul, fabulous. I'm telling you, this is my favorite broadcast <laughs> we've recorded yet on Parenting. For sure, honestly, hands down. That, yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I hesitate to even include that in the broadcast. I don't want to make anybody upset, but this is... It's so deep and it's everything that yep. we believe here. We think this is, I, I know we had to reschedule a million times, yeah. but it's because of that. It's because this is so good. Mm-hmm. Satan was like, you can't put that on the radio. You can't tell parrots about this. It's gonna transform lives. Mm-hmm. And it is, <laughs> and my goodness, we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. Man, thanks to Paul Tripp for coming on here. I can't wait to have him back on again. We did parenting in our Rebel Upgrade. We did broadcasts on it. I've seen churches go through the book. This will benefit your life. If you are a parent, this book guaranteed to help. It totally revolutionized my parenting theory. Totally. We have incorporated so much of his stuff into our Rebel Parenting Theory. Man, do we dig him. Thanks also to The Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com. They're one of our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you also support Rebel Parenting, and we appreciate you for that. Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for more than 50 years around the world, persecution.com. And blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash Rebel Parenting free seven-day trial of their 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books. Man, is it awesome. I love these summaries, and it really helps me dig further into the books I want and weeds out the ones that just needed a 15-minute summary, didn't need the full book. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and... When you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.